today, guys. Back here live in the studio for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Tuesday, December 15th, 2020. Um, I'm joined once again by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to everybody. Oh, I'm glad to be on today, TP. I mean, great weekend. Great weekend of sports. Um, a lot of storylines to get through. Some funny ones, some more serious ones. Can't wait to break this down. Yeah, I'm very excited um, as well for this today's podcast. We got lots of things to break down, and like you said, and I think there's no other way to start out this week's podcast than so. First off, we had I'll, I'll, I'll lead into the worst one of the worst beats of my entire life in a second, but first. It was kind of funny, honestly. So Sunday afternoon, I fell asleep. I'd say like I'm still in the first half of the 1 o'clock NFL games, and I woke up, and the Dolphins were no were up 10-0 when I fell asleep. When I woke up, the Dolphins were losing like 30-10, to and Ben and I were texting back and forth, and I was like, wow, we actually got a chance here to get this back door. Then, of course, the Chiefs go down and kick a field goal again, and then... For whatever reason, Jason Saunders kicks a field goal and it helps get us the back door. So, I mean, I was very happy with that one. But then last night, I don't even know what to say about that one, man. I mean, I, I, so I had the Browns plus three as a max bet, and y'all know how that one went for me. I'm still defeated from it. Ben, you didn't have the – you had the Browns just to win the game, right? Uh, so I took on our podcast on Friday. I took Browns plus two and a half, but I also had a separate bet on, a separate bet on FanDuel for the Browns to win between the margin of one and uh, 13. So obviously neither of those happened. Yeah, well, at least you didn't get bad beat by them running out of the end zone. It's kind of funny. Like, literally, once they got the ball back, I looked at the at my both of my roommates, and I was like, watch this. I was like, the Browns are going to pitch the ball around, fumble, and we're not going to cover. Like, just trying to ho- honestly reverse jinx us because I knew there was a pretty big chance it was going to happen. And it happened, and that is now the second time that something like that has happened to me this year. It's kind of funny. The one time it happened last year as well in that Northwestern in a Stanford game. I was on Northwestern, who got backdoored, so... Moral of the story is these teams need to stop running these stupid-ass little pitch plays, but <laughs> you know that's never going to stop. But an even funnier storyline we have from the weekend was with Florida. Um, what was his What was his name again? Marco Wilson, I believe. Yeah, Marco Wilson tossing the shoe. I was at a bar watching the game and didn't even realize that's why they called the penalty until I got the notification on my phone a few minutes later, and I was like, what the hell is going on? I mean, Ben, is that not the most absurd way you've ever seen a team lose a game? I can't recall something that's more that's crazier to lose a game than that way. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to get into with this. I mean, I cannot imagine how bad this kid feels. I mean, literally just ruined his football team's season. Their season is over. They're not playing for a national championship anymore. It doesn't even matter if they beat Alabama in the SEC championship game because with two losses, they're not getting into the playoffs. So their season's over. But I also want to get into um, about the coach. I mean, Dan Mullen. So obviously a main part of your job is, you know, you, you want your, your wins to be a lot more than your losses. You, you're judged on your win-loss record. But as a college coach, and this is the main difference between being a college coach and uh, being an NFL coach, is your job is to not only recruit and, um, you know, you – you convince these parents to allow their kids to go to their schools. You're supposed to be a mentor to them, a leader. I think Dan Mullen is doing a horrendous job of this. I think he's acting like a 15-year-old, to be honest with you. And an example of this is in his press conferences after the game. So it's one thing, you know, obviously he's going to get asked about it. It's one thing, uh, I believe his original comment was, well, I haven't seen it yet, this and that. 
choose you can believe that if you want i'm i'm not going to believe that um but let's just say we do believe that just for this instance he then comes back to another press conference after he has reviewed the play and seen it and says yeah i saw the play and uh i don't i don't i didn't see anything that caused the penalty it seemed like he was making a football move um he said something like he was celebrating with his teammates jumping up and the shoe just launches out of his hand okay that's the most bullshit answer i've ever heard ever in my entire life one that's not a football move i don't know i don't even know how you can even say that without like how do you say that with a straight face yeah and it happened after the play was over how could that even be a football move I don't know. I mean, but, but back to my point is part of your job as a college coach is to be a mentor and a leader to these boys because you are not a man when you enter college. You are 18 years old. There is no part of you that's a man in most circumstances. He is not holding this kid to any accountability. And I get it. He doesn't, you don't, you're not supposed to put all the blame on the kid. I get that. But to say that this kid has done nothing wrong, well, how is he learning from this? Okay. He probably feels awful. He just ruined his team's chances. You gotta, you, you gotta be a leader to these young kids. I don't think Dan Mullen's doing a very good job at all. Um, I would love to see him be criticized for his comments on this. I'm sure he has been blasted on Twitter and on uh, um, other forms of social media and stuff. But I, I, I don't know what he's talking about. I can't even understand what he's talking about. Yeah, and honestly, I hope Marco's been uh, staying off social media because he's become a meme. I mean, honestly, it's hilarious, all these memes and everything of him throwing the shoe. Like, there's been ones of him and Thanos where, like, what did it cost and everything. I mean, <laughs> got a feel for the kid, you know. It was, a, it was a stupid move. I'm sure he regrets it to this day and he would do something about it. Another coach who actually does a good job being a leader got fired. Finally, Auburn has moved on from Gus Malzahn. He is out as the Auburn head coach. Um, we'll kind of start things off first with the fact Auburn moved on from him. Um, did we think? Do we think it's the right move? I'll go first on this one. I, like I think honestly, it is the right move here for your Auburn. I mean, yeah, Malzahn definitely has done some good things for this program. I mean, he did take him to a national championship and everything. But at the same time, I just feel like it's time to move on and get somebody new in there. I feel like he's become a lot like Mark Richt. Like, are you really satisfied going eight and three? I mean, or whatever it is, nine and nine and three every single season. Also, on top of that, you know, yeah, he did beat Alabama, but he couldn't win the big game against Georgia and get them to that next step. Also, on top of that, he was like 3-8, and eight, I think, in bowl games. I know he had a losing record by a lot in bowl games. So, look, I don't think he definitely did a bad job. I just feel like it's time to move on. You know, you give a coach like that so many chances, you have to do something to get over the hump. And there's just a point in time where you can't get over the hump that the school just says, look, we appreciate everything you did. It's time to move on. Besides, Gus is still winning at all this. He's getting paid. He's probably going to go on SEC Network. I mean, I'm sure he could take another job if he wanted to. If I'm him, though, I'm taking some time off, going to go on SEC Network or ESPN and just be an analyst for a little while, get some more money, and then maybe get back at it. What do you think, Ben? I mean, it's it, it's difficult because you know, you're know you judged on what you do as a coach. Mm-hmm. But it, it is it is hard to fire a guy that has had the, the highs highs as you get at a school. Gus Malzahn was the offensive coordinator um, when Auburn won their national championship. When I speak to a lot of my Auburn friends, um, they give him a lot of the credit compared to uh, Gene Chizik, who was the head coach at the time. They I think they feel like uh, Malzahn did a lot of the work. Um, I'm not going to speak to that. They would know more than me. 
Gus Malzahn has done some great things at Auburn. Um, he's had some bad moments, as every coach does. But he's such a player's coach, and he's such a good man from what his uh, past players and recruits are the way talking about him that it is hard to fire him. I like that you brought up Mark Rick because it's the same thing. I mean, Mark Rick was at Georgia for, I want to say, like 12 years or 13 years, something in that ballpark. And he's a great man. He he does his job at a very high level of getting these kids to the next level and actually helping them in life. I think what you see, if you've seen the past uh, former Auburn players tweet what Gus Malzahn has done for them, it's tremendous to read. It's, it's tremendous to know that he's helping these kids. But in terms of football, I, I think it's the right time to move on, and it's not easy. I mean, you see a lot of former players coming out now um, – kind of being harsh on the decision, don't think he should be fired. I think in terms of football, it's 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 the time, to be honest with you. Auburn kind of looks like it might be at a um, standstill right now. Uh, they didn't see Auburn fans probably pissed off. They didn't see Bo Nix progress at all this year in, in, uh, in, in another year with uh, Gus, Malzahn's, Gus Malzahn's offense. I think it's kind of frustrating for them. From a football standpoint, I could I, I would have been fine with it giving him one more year, but I, I did think his hot seat was was really getting hot. Um, they need to have a hire that everyone in the current recruiting class supports and the fan base supports because you do not want to become a Tennessee and I'm sorry to say this, but you don't want to become a Florida State. I know that pain that might is is kind of uh, harsh because I know you're that you're a Florida State fan, but you don't want to become a prominent program that everyone is laughing at now. I think mm -hmm. Nebraska is absolutely that. I think Florida State is kind of like that. We're going to see if Bell can turn it around. Um, yeah, but Colorado wasn't ever like prominent, prominent, were they? They were. They were when we were younger, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. But I mean, they're not like the powers. I mean, they're not even. They're not even. When you think of the Pac-12, I don't think you think of Colorado. Yeah, true. But think, so hey, USC, another great example right there. USC, Texas. I mean, there's a lot. The Michigan, there's a lot. I mean, so you don't want to fall all the way back. And, you know, I think a lot of people think Hugh Freeze is going to be coming in. I don't think that would be a bad hire. Um, it seems like he has matured a little bit, um, just as, as Kiffin has. I think they were great offensive minds, a little immature, said some of the wrong things when they were a little bit younger. I think now they're a little bit more mature. Kiffin. He was fine in year one at Ole Miss. I mean, so that's the expectation. I think Hugh Freeze is definitely the favorite to get the job. I think for today's offense, it's a good fit. Um, but you, what you really can't see if you're an Auburn fan is whoever you hire, then you start to see these commits kind of decommit or transfer out. You, you can't have that. Um, so this is going to be a big-time hire for Auburn. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. I mean, we've already saw a couple guys decommit, one of them looking like he's coming to Florida State. So I really hope that goes through. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I agree with you, Ben. You really don't want to see your program fall in that mediocre area. I mean, it's tough, though, you know, at the same time to find a coach and be able to bring someone in that really leads to no drop-off within your program. I mean, it is it is definitely tough for that. Usually there's a little bit of a rebuilding process. The good thing is, though, they're going to have Bo Nix back. They have a lot of young guys on the lines, on the defensive and offensive lines. So, I mean, it looks like it's not going to be the worst job. I feel like Matt Campbell might be a decent hire, although then again, at the same time, you know, it's easy for a guy like Matt Campbell to take an Iowa State team to overachieve, but can he do it where he comes into one of these bigger programs? You know, I feel like that 
you know, maybe Harbaugh wouldn't be the worst decision ever to bring in here as head coach. Um, I think I think the I think the Auburn fan base would hate Harbaugh. No, I agree with you completely on that. See, I don't, I don't look. Let's put it this way: I don't think that's going to end up happening. I think Hugh Freeze is their guy, though. If I were them, that's who I'm going after right now. Is and giving the call to is Hugh Freeze. Maybe, you know, I've I've heard a lot of people say, "Who's their um, offensive coordinator for Auburn?" Yeah, I heard a lot of people say they might promote him from within. Isn't it Chad Morris? I think or Lashley. One of them. Yeah, I don't think it's Lashley. One of Miami. I want to say it's Chad Morris, but I've heard their defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele. Or that's who it is, Kevin Steele. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, listen, there's a, there's a ton of rumors. There's no reason to pay any attention to any of these rumors, in my opinion, because they're, they're rumors. I mean, we saw Mario Cristobal. I, I want to talk on, talk about him real quick. I, I think that would be a downgrade for I Mario think. Cristobal to leave Oregon to go to Auburn. I, I don't think that's – yeah, I mean, I – Supposedly, he's already told people around him in Oregon that he's staying, and I think that's a pretty wise decision. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying like like Auburn is, I mean, they've had more success than Oregon maybe, but I, I think what Oregon presents, it helps in recruiting with you being the Nike headquarters, um, basically the Nike headquarters, and, and about, there's less competition out west. I, I, I would see that as a downgrade, but it'll be real interesting. Um I don't think Auburn would hire this guy, but let's see if the Coastal Carolina coach maybe goes somewhere. That's kind of a trend in college football. These these smaller schools kind of get chances at big time schools, and sometimes they're successful, sometimes they're not. So it, it's it's going to be real interesting to see who kind of becomes the favorite when all these rumors kind of wash away. Yeah, absolutely, and I agree with you too. If I'm Crystal Ball, I'm not headed to down to the plains to go coach these Auburn Tigers. I would definitely stay put out west. I feel like, too, he's going to have a better chance. You know, you don't have to compete with Alabama. You don't have to compete with LSU. You don't have to compete with Georgia. You don't have to compete with all these other teams. I feel like Oregon also, too, you know, you got those uniforms and everything, so I feel like that gives you another advantage if he stays out there. So if I'm Cristobal, I'm staying put. Um, let's move things back over to the NFL side of football. And, look, I think it's about to be the number one topic we got to address to start things off. I mean – Ben, I think I have pinpointed why the Pittsburgh Steelers are regressing. Look, you can sit here and blame it on the injuries, but realistically, their defense played pretty damn good against the Bills' offense. It's one of the best in the league. I mean, if they don't get that pick six at right the Bills right before halftime, who knows? It might be a completely different game. I think it is two things here. The first thing I'm going to say is fatigue factor. So Pittsburgh basically really hasn't had a bye week because they pretty much used their bye week to prepare for Tennessee, then have the game get canceled. Now you look at it. This team hasn't had a rest since, like, back in, like, I believe it was week three. So, I mean, this team's tired. They're beaten up. I mean, they could use a week off probably. I mean, look at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay got a week off, and they beat the crap out of out of the Vikings. I mean, it's the same thing here. It looks like they could use a week off. Now they're probably not going to be able to get that first round bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye, first that bye week for Pittsburgh. And I think that's really why this team's struggling. I mean, they were able to plug people in throughout that game on the defensive side of the ball and play decent against Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo pretty much just felt like beat them down. It's that and the fact they have no run game. Big Ben is in the bottom part of the league in efficiency. I mean, he has been horrible throwing the ball this season. Actually, I think he might even be the worst in passer efficiency. And Steelers' line is number one in the league in pass blocking. They're the worst in the league in run blocking. I mean, Pittsburgh... 
I don't even know how many yards they ended up running the ball for in this game against Buffalo, but, I mean, it was downright pathetic. It felt like they couldn't do anything. Besides, they ran for 47 yards, 17 carries, 47 yards. I mean, you simply cannot do that in the NFL and expect to win games. I think it's these two things, that defense gets stuck out on the field and they get tired, which we saw in the second half. With I mean, Stephon Diggs completely dominated them, and the team just looks tired in general. I feel like this is a team, if maybe the season ended in Week 10, could have won it all, but at this point they're tired, they're beaten down. I would not be shocked if they lost first round of the playoffs. I I agree with those two main points you made. Um, in terms of fatigue, it, I'll just say it kind of another way. It's They've gotten kind of screwed with scheduling, but mm-hmm. listen, in 2020, when, when you agree to play sports, you, you know that um, the virus can affect things and you have to go with the flow. You have to be adaptable. That's really hard to do, or at least it's harder to do when your quarterback is almost 40 years old, or maybe he is 40. Um, that's harder to do. I mean, when you're playing week after week, is listen, he had was it elbow surgery at the end of last season? I'm sure it's I'm sure his elbow is cleaned up, and I'm sure he's feeling better than especially than he was last year. But his body is going to break down a lot faster than a 24 mm-hmm. year old quarterback, which I believe Josh Allen. Um, you mentioned the run game. That's That's got to be reason number one. This team cannot run the football effectively at all. I don't know what's happened with James Conner. I don't know if it's the offensive line. I don't know what it is, but they can't run the football. You and I have mentioned that um, on past couple podcast podcasts and other weeks. I also want to get into, you mentioned how their um, offensive line is great, but if they're so great, then why aren't they relying on them? The, the Pittsburgh Steelers, specifically Ben Roethlisberger, has never gotten the ball out of his hands quicker in his entire career mm-hmm. until this year. So if you have such a great off- – I get it. He can't move, but he's also very hard to bring down. So if you have such a great offensive line, then shouldn't you take more chances downfield because you can you can do those route trees where it takes a little bit longer to set up. But if you trust your offensive line, then it should be fine, right? So, But uh, and listen, I said this last week. It was a big problem this week. It's really only one person right now, but – in terms of their, since they're on this losing streak, the whole team, they can't catch the football. Deontay Johnson had, was it three drops or four drops this past week against Buffalo? You can't do this against good teams. These are good throws by Ben Roethlisberger. I believe Deontay Johnson is now leading the league, and it's not even close in drop passes. I think he's got like, Jeez. I think he's he's in the double digits. I want to say he's like 12 to 14 drops on the year. Yeah, he was and, even like looking down on his hands after one drop. Like You can't be doubting yourself like that. I mean, he's got no – I don't know how he can have any confidence. I know the Steelers do have a good amount of receivers that can plug in, but if no one's stepping up, Tomlin's – you know, I I like Tomlin. I like that he's straightforward in, in uh, post-game press conferences. When they ask him, like, hey, like, what do you do about the drops? He said, I'm going to put someone in there can catch the ball. Like, what is he supposed mm-hmm. to say? Like, so, I, you know – my hand is on the panic button for the Steelers. I have not pressed it yet, but it is on the panic button. Um, they have no balance. When you have no balance in the NFL, it's very hard to win games against good teams. I think they absolutely still can win a playoff game. It just kind of depends on who they're going to play. So we'll all we'll, I'll wait to make that prediction of when we know the matchups. But, you know, this is not a uh, good track that they're on right now. Yeah, things have definitely trended down in Pittsburgh, and as you all know now, they are no longer 
getting the first round by in the playoffs and now belongs to Kansas City, which was something they really needed. Um, Buffalo's gaining on them as well by a game. Pittsburgh still got left on the schedule now. Um, they play at Cincinnati this week, then they get the Colts and at the Browns. So, I mean... Two out of they, three, that's tough. I know, that's what I'm saying. They could mess around right here in this area and end up not even having the best record in that conference and end up being a wild card. I mean, that would be crazy to see things trend down that much. I, um, I think they win their division if they win against the Bengals, though, if I'm not mistaken. Would they win? I don't know if they would win a tiebreaker or not, but you could definitely be right on that one. Um, we'll see. The thing is, they if they if they lost to the Colts and the, uh, Browns. And the Browns, then yeah, that would give them four. Yeah, so I mean, you might be right on that one. I mean, the Browns have a pretty easy schedule though. They got they're at the Giants, then at the Jets, and then they play Pittsburgh. So I mean, the Browns that game could be, end up meaning something. Um, anyway, um, what? Oh, back to what we were saying though. You know. This playoff picture is really starting to take shape right now. I mean, Kansas City is the one seed. Do you think, think Pittsburgh is going to hang on and keep that two seed, or do you think Buffalo is going to overtake them? I mean, right now it's hard to say that they're going to keep it the way that they're playing football. They should beat the Bengals, but listen, that Colts game, um, that Colts game is before the Browns game. Is the Browns the last week? Yeah, Browns is week 17. That's, that's not a team you want to play right now. Uh, I think the Colts are trending upward. Absolutely. Um, I think Phil Rivers has really gained some uh, confidence. Seems like he's kind of got this playbook down. He, I think he knows how he needs to play to win them games. I think their offensive line is rolling right now. Um, you mix that with Jonathan Taylor. When Usually when you have your offensive line rolling, you can run the football. The Colts want to run the football. They drafted Jonathan Taylor for a reason. I think the one-two punch of him and Naeem Hides is – I think it's solid. I mean, it's not going to be up there for one of the better ones in the – NFL, but it's I think it's solid. These mm-hmm. guys, these boys get the job done. And honestly, I've been really, really impressed with um, Pittman, the uh, Michael Pittman Jr., the rookie receiver at USC. He's a beast. He's been great. And T.Y. Hilton has really come alive in these past couple of weeks. I think he's finally healthy. The Colts, that's not an easy game for Pittsburgh. I don't know where the game is. I'm not looking at the schedule right now, but that that's a big game for Pittsburgh. So. As of right now, to answer your question, no, I do not think that they will hold on to the two seed because I don't think they beat the Browns and the Colts. And I don't know. I I think Buffalo has a real good chance to win out. Buffalo's playing some great football right now. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. I think Buffalo will end up winning out. I mean, they have two division games left with the Patriots and with the uh, Dolphins as well. But, I mean, they should be able to win out with the rest of that schedule that they have on tap. Um, Look, I actually think the Colts have been taking advantage here of some horrible defenses they've gone up against. The Titans can't rush the passer. The Packers' defense sucks. Um, They played the Titans twice in that stretch. The Colton, I mean, we know the Texans' defense and what they can do. They got blown out in one of them, though. Yeah, they did. Yeah, no, the Titans did. Yeah, see, even the Titans got them back that second time. But, I mean, like the Texans game, I mean, Deshaun did fumble on like the five-yard line. But still, I mean, that that Texans defense can't do much. And then, obviously, the Raiders defense. I'm pretty sure they fired their defensive coordinator after the game was over. Um, Other kind of aftermath here that we have to look at from Sunday is we kind of kind of got to talk about a little bit this NFC East and how bad it is. So, every single team except for the Giants won in this division. The Eagles are still mathematically alive. The Cowboys are still mathematically alive, even though I've already crossed the Cowboys off my list. Washington football team's now in first place. Um, 
Look, Ben, I think Washington football team is going to win this division. They're the only team that has a positive point differential. I think Jalen Hurts can get figured out, and the Eagles have a tough schedule. I feel like the Saints just, like, didn't even play contain with him and just kind of let him run all over him. And, I mean, it felt like the defense and the team rallied around Jalen Hurts. I mean, they looked like they came to play, and they made Taysom Hill look like he was a tight end playing quarterback. Also, too, you know, at the Cardinals – they might be able to win that game. I mean, at Dallas, they should win that. And against the Washington football team, who says the Eagles can't win that one? I still think the Eagles are more alive here than the Giants are. The Giants have a much harder schedule than they are. But I really like this Washington football team to come out here, though, and get the job done. I mean, with just the way that defense has been playing. Yeah, they're going to have to rely on Dwayne Haskins. I don't think Dwayne Haskins is that bad. Him and McLaurin have great chemistry. You know, they, they play together in college. And even when he was in there, McLaurin was going off. Then they play the Panthers and at the Eagles. I think Washington football team, they win at they win that game against the Panthers. Anything can happen in that game with the Eagles. You know, this Eagles offensive line is not great. I feel like they should be able to get a pass rush. But this is probably your tightest division race you got left. This division's crazy, and I love it. I love the chaos. I have so many questions. So the first one, before I ask the question, is you and I both predicted, was it last week, you asked the question, who do we think is going to win the division? We mm-hmm. both said the Washington football team. Correct. I think the Giants made a mistake this past week. Um, I thought it was clear-cut and very, very obvious that Daniel Jones was not healthy enough to play in this game. Mm-hmm. He legit could not move. And that's a big part of Daniel Jones' somewhat success he's had in the NFL right now. He is a mobile quarterback. He does run the football very well. He might run it better than he throws it, to be honest with you. Um, He couldn't move in that pocket, and his fumble issues just continue to happen. Uh, Have you ever seen the movie Friday Night Lights? Not the show, the movie. Yeah, I've seen the movie. You remember the scene where the Billingsley's father – puts the football in the kid's hands and he tapes it. He starts taping his hands to the football and he just starts punching at the kid to make sure he's not fumbling anymore. The Giants need to do that with Daniel Jones. You you cannot be a starting quarterback and fumble the ball like this kid does. I have never seen a player fumble as as often as Daniel Jones does. Um, That's a big loss that the Giants had because like you mentioned, I think their schedule does get harder. And listen, Colt McCoy won them a game in Seattle. So, what was the rush in bringing back Daniel Jones back if he's not 100%? I mean, it, it, do you not believe Colt McCoy can do it again? I mean, I don't know if he can, but Colt McCoy at 100% gives you a better chance to win this game than Daniel Jones who's not at 100%. Because Daniel Jones at 100% isn't even that great. So I think the Giants really screwed up there. Let's move on from them. I disagree with you about the Washington football team. I have no faith in Dwayne Haskins. Um, because in the very limited playing time he's had, he's done absolutely nothing with it. Before Alex Philadelphia. Everyone's beaten Philadelphia. (laughs) I'm just saying that, like, reports that came out, like, before even Alex Smith was even back, the fact that they brought in a different quarterback who I know has history with Ron Rivera, that means they don't even believe in him. I mean, there were reports that he didn't know the playbook very well coming into year two. I don't know if he's lazy. I don't know what it is, but this football team needs this kid to step up. And as of right now, I do not believe in him, but I think he doesn't have to do that much because his defense is just balling out right now. In terms of the Eagles, I'm a little biased because Jalen Hurts is just my guy. He, he went to Alabama. I think he is the easiest athlete to root for. He has a tremendous story. The kid always has a smile on his face. He always gives 100%. And he does things that Carson Wentz is not able to do 
which is not sit in the pocket. Carson Wentz sits in the pocket, pats the ball, gets drilled. He refuses to throw the ball away. Jalen will not do that. I don't know why Carson Wentz doesn't run. He can. Jalen Hurts showed that he can run the football. Although, I, I want to say this about the Saints. The Eagles beat the Saints with the Saints playbook that they play with Taysom Hill. Literally, they play Taysom Hill ball. They do these short little passes. If it's not open, Jalen Hurts runs. That's exactly what Taysom Hill does. So, I really don't know why the Saints couldn't stop them, uh, stop Jalen Hurts. But credit to him. Credit to the Eagles for getting it done. I still think the favorite is the Washington football team, even though I don't believe in Dwayne Haskins at the moment because of their defense. I, I think Jalen would struggle um, as he continues to start. I, I think he'll struggle against the pass rush that you mentioned that Washington can provide. So I'm still going to say the Washington football team is the favorite, but this this just makes no sense. This I mean, this division makes no sense. The fact that the winner of this gets to host a playoff game is unbelievable. Um, this is going to be great to watch it turn out, see how it turns out. Yeah, no, I am uh, very excited actually to see how everything ends up turning out here. This division, I mean, whoever wins this division is going to be a low 500, which we've seen happen a few times. Funnier, even funnier thing about that, though, is the teams that have won their division with a below 500 record have won a playoff game. It's only happened twice with the Seahawks and Panthers, and both of them ended up winning. Also, too, I mean, what do you think the spread would be if Washington football team ends up winning and has Dwayne Haskins starting? I think they'll probably be, like, close to double. I think anywhere from 9 to 11-point home dogs. you talk about in their playoff game? Yeah. Well, I mean, would I don't know what the severity of Alex Smith's injury is right now. Um, I think the spread would be a bigger gap if Haskins is playing because he has zero experience. He really barely has any experience in the regular season. Um, I know that Alex Smith has a calf injury that's on the same leg that was operated on big time. Um, so I don't. I, I think I think it's a strained calf, which is what I heard can be either fifty-fifty. Someone can play the next week, or sometimes it lingers. I think in his situation, it is a little bit different. I don't. I. I mean, I hate saying this, but I don't know how much of his calf or leg is real at this point. They had to take so much skin off. So I don't know. I feel like his situation is a little bit different from others. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Uh, I think that if he plays in the playoff game, I think it'll be maybe a little bit better. I think maybe eight and a half to 10 range. I think if Haskins is playing, I think nine and a half to 11, um, they're going to be, they're going to be a pretty big underdog either way though. Yeah, I agree. See, I agree with you on that one. I think, but they would play, they if they win their division, that makes them the three seed. Yeah, means they're the Seahawks or the Rams. Yeah, I mean, you in their case, you'd want to play the Seahawks because you have somewhat of a chance. They have no chance against the Rams. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. The Rams, McVay just knows how to scheme way too well. Seattle doesn't have that. Well, defense they have a defense. The, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's hard to score in the Rams defense. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Russell Wilson's come back down to earth for sure. So. Definitely could have a chance there. Um, you think Arizona will end up getting this last wild card spot? I mean, the Vikings and Bears technically sit one game out. You think Arizona can hold them off? I think by default. <laughs> I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, the Bears, I I don't even think Bears fans have confidence in the Bears. They, they're they a disaster. I mean, to, there's going to be some massive turnover in Chicago. Um, I don't know if either quarterback will be there next season. They both suck. Um, I think their coach has a good chance of being fired. 
I think he stinks. Supposed to be an offensive guy. Their offense has not improved in any season he's been their coach. I think their GM has a chance of being fired. I mean, I, I really think the Chicago Bears are in for a disaster. Um, I, I like to turn to diehard Chicago Bears fans, and um, I, I love listening to PTI, Tony Kornheiser, and Michael Wilbon. And Michael Wilbon is a Chicago guy, the big Bears fan. He absolutely hates Ryan. I believe his name is Ryan Pace. I believe that's their general manager. He hates Matt Nagy. I mean, I, I think it's a disaster in Chicago. In terms of the Vikings, Kirk Cousins is is a little too inconsistent um, to kind of believe in them. I I think they still have somewhat of a chance because Dal- how good Dalvin Cook is. I'm going to write out the Cardinals, even though I think Kyler's injury is more serious than they are letting on to believe. He did look better, though, on Sunday. I mean, that looked like the same Kyler did look- that we watched the first six weeks. He did look better, so maybe he maybe it's getting better. I don't know. I'm gonna have to see him be a little bit more consistent with it. I'll stick with the Cardinals by default because the other two teams are not very good. Yeah, see, I'm with you on that one. I think it's got to be Cardinals by default. I mean, the Vikings still have a decently tough schedule. They still got to play at the Saints and at the Lions. Saints are gonna keep playing, man. They need that first round bye to try to get Drew Brees as healthy as possible. So I don't see them letting up i mean at the lines they might be able to win they might be able to beat the bears but i also feel like the cardinals can probably win out on the rest of their schedule besides the fact they put the rams but i actually think that was a good sign though for the cardinals that kyler looks so good you know i feel like yeah. if kyler can keep building off this and if his shoulder actually has gotten better this team should be perfectly fine i think um look i actually liked what i saw to tampa bay my theory about tampa bay getting better on that bye week as actually looks like it kind of worked out. You know, Brady looks a lot better. He looked more rested. I mean, were you impressed by seeing Brady get that Hail Mary ball right before halftime to the end zone? Yeah. Anytime Brady completes a deep ball like that, I think it's impressive because he doesn't do it very often anymore. Yeah, um, it's, I, yeah, by the way, I, did you know that Brady now has become the winningest QB to ever play in the league over 43? All the other QBs, I think, were combined like 1-6. Brady's already way gone over that at 8-5. and five. I mean, does that shock you? I mean, it's TB12. Yeah, I mean, when will Brady be done is the real question. I mean, it's looking like it's soon, but, I mean, it, it, he's, I feel like he's still got something left up his sleeve. Well, his contract has two years left, or is it one year after this one? Um, he has, So he has two years left, one year this year and then one more year. I do think he plays out his contract. Um, he That's been a goal of his to play. What, what was his goal? Was it to play until 45 originally, or was it 50? I don't think it was I think was it was 50. 45. I mean, there's no way, though, he's going to make it to 50. Yeah. But I think no. definitely – I think – by the way, I think the funnier thing is, did you hear the Bruce Arians press conference after the game was over? Uh-uh. This is kind of funny. Bruce Arians, in his press conference, he was like, yeah, you know, Brady looked better. Like, it was just kind of funny to hear him because they've just gone back and he's forth an so much. He's an honest man. He's an honest man. There's been press con- post-game press conferences where he – um, says that he liked the way Byron Leftwich called plays, and that the he says the Bucks' offense needs to execute mm-hmm. more. That's a direct shot at TB12. And listen, like I, I think Brady is okay with it. I think Brady's very honest with himself. I think he knows when he plays well enough that teams. I think there's games where Brady thinks he's played well enough, and his teams loses. Where he goes, listen, I I feel like I did my part, but I can always do better because that's always Brady. You're never satisfied. But I do think there's games this year where, I mean, the Saints game, where the Saints blew out the Bucks. I think Brady is honest enough and smart enough to look himself in the mirror and say, listen, I sucked tonight. Tonight was not my game, and I let my team down. I, so I don't really have a problem with Bruce Arians being honest in, in press conferences. 
I don't think Brady really takes offense to it. I think Brady fans, Brady stands take offense to it, but who cares? Listen, Brady's played games where he's not looked very good this year. He has looked his age. He's also had weeks where he looks very good for someone that's his age. So you take the good and the bad with Brady at this point. There's a lot more good than bad. Um, this is not a team you want to play in the playoffs. Brady's success in the playoffs, this Bucks defense, this is it's not a team you want to play in that first round. I think it can really, uh, assuming they will have the Saints clinch the division, I'm assuming they have. Um, no, the Saints have clinched a playoff spot. Technically, the Saints okay. could lose out and not win the division because only because there's three games left. But they obviously Ooh. hold the tiebreakers. They beat them both Ooh. times. Well, let's assume they win the division. I this this is not a team you want to play from a wild card spot. So, mm-hmm. I think they can present a lot of challenges for teams uh, outside of Tom Brady. Obviously, he presents a lot himself. Um, I want to shout out Gronkowski. I I think Gronk has been better than people expected him to be. I would say. Way better than I expected. Four or five touchdowns I think he has this year. I uh, scored with this one this last week, so I mean, five there's a lot. Five touchdowns, 507 yards receiving. Listen, I don't think you can ask for much more. Um, so, like I said, this team presents a lot of challenges to a team that they're going to play in the first round. I, I like where they're sitting at, um, but you know, it's time people do come back down to earth when, when they were building this team even before they got AB, people were saying how great, how dominant this team would be. Well, they're not. They're, they are not a dominant football team. They're a good football team, but they're not dominant. So even when they got AB, people were like, "How are they? who's going to stop them? Well, a lot of people have. Hey, so, I would argue, honestly, they've been worse ever since they got AB. I feel like ever since they got AB in there, they've kind of played it. I mean, yeah, since they, so since AB came in there, the first game he was able to play was against the Saints. They lost, then they beat the Panthers, then they lost back-to-back against the Rams and Chiefs, and they beat the Vikings. I mean, now that is three yeah. of the best teams in the NFL, but, I mean, still, they are 3-2 and two ever since A.B. has come back. I don't think it has anything to do with him being a pain in the butt or a cancer I in the locker room. I, I don't think it has to do with that. Um, in the Saints game they lost, like I mentioned, Brady did not play well. Um, they, that game was over pretty much in the first quarter. Uh, first half, it was definitely over. Um, so we'll just have to see how they progress. I think coming off a of bye week, they made it. I think that was a statement win. I think it, honestly, I think you and I talked about how it was a must-win team or must-win game for both teams. I think the Bucks won in a statement. So they look good. Um, their schedule is pretty favorable, if I'm remembering correctly. I believe they played the Falcons twice. Um, that is, the Bucks should not lose to the Falcons. They should not lose to the Falcons. I'm going to say that again. The Bucks should not lose to the Falcons. So I think the Bucs are sitting pretty these last three games. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you on that one, Ben. The Bucs actually have a very easy schedule to close out here. Would not be shocked to see Tampa Bay completely win out here on this last leg of their schedule as they play at Atlanta, at Detroit, and then they get Atlanta again. So, I mean, they should definitely be able to win out. Fortunately for us Falcons fans, it looks like it's going to be a 4-12 and season, and we're going to be pick inside probably the top five as that we play Tampa Bay sandwiched in between Kansas City. So, I mean, I don't even if Kansas City rested their starters, I feel, feel like Andy Reid could out-scheme Raheem Morris enough to still win that game one way or another. Um, let's talk about the NFC West here. Who's coming out on top here, the Rams or the Seahawks? I'm going to stick with the Rams. Um, I'm going to stick with the Rams because it's the same reason that you and I have talked about for why we like the Rams to begin with. 
It's their defense, and it's the fact that they had balance on offense. Now, there are a decent amount of quarterbacks in the league where coaching absolutely matters and helps them. And the Rams are a front runner in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they're only as good as Jared Goff allows them to be, is how I'm going to put it in the nicest way possible. They are on a two-game win streak, and Goff has played pretty well. But it's really it starts with their defense. Their defense, I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at points allowed. They've allowed two hundred and they've allowed two hundred and forty six points all season. That is best in the NFC. And let me check the AFC real quick. Pittsburgh has allowed less, two thirty seven. So they're second they have the second best defense in terms of points allowed um in the entire NFL. That is a stat that you want when your team's going to the playoffs. I'm gonna pick the Rams to win this because of the defense, but like I mentioned, they're only as good as Jared Goff allows them to be, and Jared Goff is only as good as their run game is. And they just had career numbers with Cam Akers having a career day in rush attempts and yards. They don't need production from that every single week because they do have really good receivers, but if the Rams can't run the football, they're going to struggle in games. And it's the same thing as the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield, he's a good quarterback. He is. And so is Kirk Cousins. And so is Jared Goff. They're good quarterbacks. But if their teams can't run the football in, on that particular Sunday or wherever day they're playing, those quarterbacks are not good enough to win them games through their arm. I, I, I believe that 100%. I'll let you uh, rebuttal if you have a rebuttal with that. But if, you're go, if your game plan is to have Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, or Jared Goff throw the ball 40 to 50 times in a game, I, I don't think you're winning that football game. Um. Well, see, the first thing is the Vikings really can't do it the way they've done the last couple of years with subpar QB play is they pound the ball on the ground, set up that play action, and rely on their defense. The Vikings can't do that anymore. The Rams and, honestly, even the Browns, look, I'm not going to sit here and say the Browns are going to do what the Titans did last year in the playoffs, but they remind me of that same team a little bit. Yeah, they do the exact same thing. They just they tur- they use their two running backs. I mean, Kareem Hunt was a beast last night in that pass game. I mean, they use both their running backs. They pound you on the ground. They have a great offensive line, and then they let their defense take over. Obviously, their defense let them down last night, but the Rams do the exact same thing. I mean, the Rams devastate teams, though, with their defense. This is Not only is their defense great against the run, but they're just as good as against the pass. They're third in the league against the run and uh, first in the league against the pass. And, you know, I wasn't expecting from the, that, all this from this team. I mean, especially when Corey Littleton left, because I'm a big, I feel like linebackers control the field. They play, though, with that uh, 4 2 5 defense, and it works very well. I mean, obviously, because they're the best team in the league against the pass. Also, though, I feel like Aaron Donald, Brockers, Leonard Floyd, what they do up there on that D line, though, is crazy as well. They built this team the right way. Look, I'm still on that Rams Packers NFC Championship train here. I don't see any other way all that's going to change over. I think the Rams will take care of business, though, here down the stretch. They have a very easy matchup this week against the Jets. Then they play Seattle next week. If they handle business next week against Seattle, it's all but over. And they also play Arizona. And we saw what happened last time they played Arizona. It was a bloodbath. I would expect a lot similar game once again, considering the fact that they'll be at home. But also, though, because, I mean, Kyler Murray struggles against pass rush and pressure. You don't get pass rush and pressure on him. Kyler Murray's going to sit back there and pick you apart all day. Therefore, I think the Rams still come out and win this division. Um, I think Seattle and Arizona will both make the playoffs as wild cards. 
Um, I think Seattle is going to have a chance to definitely win a game or two in the playoffs no matter what happens there. Obviously, I think it's it's going to be big, though, coming down here, the stretch against the Packers and the Saints. I don't think either of these teams really want to play a first-round playoff game. Um, one of these two teams would probably be going up against Arizona, which, I mean, isn't the biggest threat. But, I mean, the Saints need this first-round bye desperately to try to get their guys healthy. I mean, Seattle also is going to want that number one seed, so they have the easiest second-round matchup. You know, if Washington football team gets lucky and wins, or the Eagles or the Giants or whoever wins this division gets lucky, I mean, you pretty much get the easiest game in the second round. So that's that's huge, though, getting locking all that down. And, I mean, it's just like over on the AFC side of things. Speaking, though, of the AFC side of things, Let's talk about our last division here before we get up out of here, and that is the AFC South. We currently have the Titans and the Indianapolis Colts tied atop the division. Um, I'll start us off here with this. I personally think the Titans should be able to hang on and win the division. Both teams kind of have similar similar schedules here. The Colts play one hard game left at the Steelers. Both teams have to play the Texans. The Colts also have the Jags. The uh, Titans play, play the Lions in there with the Packers. So, I mean, both teams kind of have similar schedules here. Look, I think the Titans are going to are gonna win out on this schedule, except maybe drop that game against the Packers. I don't really think it'll end up mattering, though, because I actually feel like the Steelers somehow are going to be able to beat this Colts team. This is a Colts defense that's regressed. This Colts defense the last three weeks has been one of the bottom defenses. So actually, the three weeks before this last week, they were ranked 31st in the league. They obviously did better shutting down the Raiders in the second half, but realistically, I don't. I just don't think Indianapolis can get it done. Like I said, I feel like they've been going up against these lighter pass rushes, and I feel like that one of these teams is going to be able to creep up on them and beat them here. I think the Colts team is rolling, but at the same time, I just don't believe in him, man. Phillip Rivers throws too many interceptions, and he's going to come out and do something he shouldn't. I mean, that's what Phillip Rivers has done over and over and over again in his career. I'm actually going to go with the Colts to win this division. Um, wow. I, I think they have two absolute locks for victories on their schedule. Um, I mean, it, the Titans should too. I mean, Detroit and Houston should both be locks for the Titans. And the uh, Colts have Houston and Jacksonville. But And the Colts, by the way, beat Green Bay 34-31. And the Titans have Green Bay on their schedule. The Titans, I believe, go to Green Bay. Um, I don't see them winning that game. But I'm going to pick the Colts because even though their defense has, has regressed mightily, I mean, it, it really has, as you just mentioned. I think the creativity on offense, I think Phillip Rivers kind of um, settling in, I think it's going to be big for them. Um, they really only have – they both these teams only have one hard game on their schedule left. I I think they're playing Pittsburgh at the right time. Even if Pittsburgh wins the week this uh, current week coming before they play the Colts, I, I still think playing Pittsburgh at the end of the year is, is a win for any other team. So I'm going to pick the Colts. I, I just really like the way – I mean, listen, we talk about how the Steelers' pass rush is just – it leads their defense. But the Colts have one of the better offensive lines in football. So it's going to be a real big man on big man in the trenches kind of battle. Um, if, if you're picking one offensive lineman in the entire league to keep you upright, I'm going with Quentin Nelson of the Colts. So I, I think they could figure it out. I, I like Frank Wright calling plays. And uh, he's he's unwilling to give it up. I think I heard a report that he thinks the offensive coordinator for the Colts can do a good job, but Frank Reich is just not willing to give it up right now. I think he is in a rhythm with his offense. Like I said a couple mm-hmm. times, I think Phillip Rivers has settled in to what the expectations are, and I'm going to take the Colts to win the division. 
Hey, not a bad bet there. And by the way, I mean, I can't blame Frank Reich for not giving up. Frank Reich's one of the best third down coaches, I mean, even in the history of the NFL. And we see even what he does on fourth downs. That year when he was in Philadelphia, they were amazing on third down. I feel like that's what separates guys like him, McVay, Shanahan from these other play callers. Um, anything else we need to hit on before we get up out of here? Uh, I'm good on my end. Yeah, I'm good on my end as well. Y'all get ready. We got a massive podcast coming up for y'all this weekend. I mean, it's going to be one of the best weekends in sports that I can remember in a long time. Um, just from y'all know I love basketball. So from a little college basketball standpoint and perspective here, we do have a number one in the nation, Gonzaga, playing number three, Iowa, on Saturday to start things off. We got two NFL games on Saturday. We got uh, some college football, obviously the conference championships. Me and Ben are going to go in-depth on these college football conference championships and the storylines and everything that will break from these games. So y'all get ready for all that. But, Ben, I appreciate you coming on once again, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Actually, I just thought of one more thing. There's one Florida Gators player, member of the secondary, who um, put an Instagram post, I believe, mm -hmm. to uh, to kind of back Marco Wilson. Not backing his decision, but, you know, just being a good teammate, trying to keep his head held high. But in the weeds of the – of the of – the, uh, I can't even think of the word. The uh, What he wrote, the caption – was there's no one I would rather cover number six more than you. Um, good luck covering number six, Devontae Smith, this week, Marco Wilson. Good luck. Yeah, good, good luck with that. Just kidding. I've, uh, I might have a max bet or two on the Alabama side this week. But appreciate everyone who tune in, and we'll see you all again Friday.